0: I'm going to read, um, I'm going to take you through the book of Acts today, and I, I think that it's an interesting study. I'm going to try to show all the different ways the Holy Spirit brought healing in the first 30 years of church history. Uh, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have buildings like this like they didn't have Facebook they definitely didn't have worship teams like this but they had the Holy Spirit and so I believe everything in the Bible is inspired except like the headings like the headings that we added like mine says the acts of the apostles well I think it'd be more accurate if it said the acts of the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to be careful not to hold the things like, like that we added to give clarification. Because they're maybe not as anointed as the actual scriptures. Amen. Different ways Holy Spirit moved through the first 30 years of church history. And the reason why I feel like I'm supposed to share this is because a lot of people think he has to do it in a certain way, or you can't get your breakthrough because he didn't do it that way. And I hope before I'm done this morning, you'll realize that God's not limited to your ways because he has lots of ways. Does that make you happy? Like, for instance... Remember Jeremiah 29, 11? It says, I know the plans. Plural. He doesn't have a plan for you. He has more plans than you can ever imagine. And so whenever you think the plans run its course, remember he's not limited to one. He has plans to prosper us. And to give us a hope and a future. And this was on the this was on the beginning of a seventy year exile, and he still says, I haven't changed my plans, you're gonna have to have some consequences, but I got more plans. So Acts. Acts has twenty eight chapters. So if you'll pray for me, we could get done before tonight. I'm not going to preach long. My precious wife is here. She likes it when I preach short. And when my wife's happy, I'm so happy. So you guys are in for a short sermon today. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Acts 2, verse 43. This is my first verse. And this is what it says. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Hmm. Most commentators say that when the apostles were laying hands on people, signs and wonders were happening. So one of the ways that the Holy Spirit did signs, wonders and healings in the book of Acts is the leaders laid hands on people. How many in this room would think that God could flow through you to lay hands on someone if he could flow through them? Right? Now, they, they believed that laying hands would work because in Mark chapter 16, right before Jesus was, like, ascended into heaven, he was teaching them, and he told them that these signs would follow them if they would just believe And one of the signs was you could lay hands on sick people and they'll get better. Now, are you guys glad you could lay hands on somebody in this room this morning and they could get better? That's one of the ways the Holy Spirit can bring healing. Amen? So, let's keep going. Acts chapter 3. This is the story of the guy at the gate, beautiful. I love it. I'm not going to read it because I I just want to hurry. Peter and John are going to pray. And there's a guy that's a professional beggar, 40 years old, begging for money at the gate beautiful. And so they stop and they look at him and he looks at them and he thinks that they have money. And I love, I love, I love what Peter says, silver and gold. I have not, but what I have, I give you in the name, in the name You need to get it. In the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the guy jumps up. He grabbed him, picked him up. He jumps up. He's shouting. He's dancing. He's leaping. How'd that one work? Well, that wasn't laying on of hands. That was using the name. That's another way a healing can take place. Use the name of Jesus. do you know His name's above every other name? His name's above sickness. His name's above depression. His name's above hopelessness. His name's above death. His name's above pain. His name's above cancer. His name's above diabetes. His name's above divorce. His name's above death. It's like, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Right? In the name. I like that way. Now, how did they figure that one out? Well, that last night before Jesus was arrested, he was teaching them in John chapter 14. And he said in verse 12, if anybody believes in me, the same things I do, you'll do in greater because I go to the Father and you can declare anything in my name. Whoa! He actually told them to use his name. Like not in vain. In the name of Jesus. And and so then they get arrested for healing a guy. And so they're questioning him. And look at verse 16. This is Peter's response to their questioning. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of (laughs) y'all. Don't you love that? Faith in the name. Now, knowing the name is not like how you say it. Like this doesn't give it any more power like to say in the name of Jesus. That, has, that gives it no power. In fact, you can act like you know his name, but if he doesn't know you, his name means nothing for you. Sure. Like you need to know the one you're using the name of. Yeah. Intimately, right? Sure. Yes. Okay. Isn't this good? So now we can go to Acts 5. This is good. Acts 5. I got to hurry up and go through Acts. Acts 5, 12. Acts 5.12. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. I love that. Here we have another example of hands. Hands. This morning we'll lay hands on people. And some people will be healed just when we touch you with our hands. Aren't you glad? Some people will be healed when you hear the name of Jesus. There's somebody watching online right now that's struggling with real debilitating depression. And God's going to heal your depression today during this service. I hear it really strong. Acts 5.12. Now look at verses 15 and 16. This is interesting. To such an extent that they even carried their sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets. So that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any of them. The people from the cities of the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together as well, bringing people who were sick or tormented with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Now, this is a different one. This isn't using the name, and this isn't laying on hands. This is like, (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. This would be a special manifestation called shadow healing. I don't get it because there's nothing good in Pete. It's, I guess it's who's shining over him. I mean, do you understand this? Okay, here's Peter. He just got done like cleaning some fish. And so he's got to go over to the barber. He's got to walk over to the barber. What everybody realizes is on Sundays is his day. He gets his hair cut. And so they get all the sick people and they bring him in the streets because the sun's shining down here. And Pete just goes to the barber And he's just healing people as he walks by. And I don't think he even knows it. I just think the Holy Spirit says, I can use this guy. Now, we have using the name, laying on of hands, laying on of hands, using shadows. I want you to understand the pattern there is none, there's no pattern. It's like the Holy Spirit just heals people, and he can do it any way he wants. And I want us to let him out of our boxes today. What if he just came in and just touched everybody right now, and I could just go home? I'd like that method. Wouldn't that be amazing? So, this is shadow healing. Like, (laughs) yay. I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't in the Bible. Like, your shadow has no power. Unless it's in the Bible, then it happens. And if it happened once, it can happen again. Do you guys get it? Okay, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. So we have laying on of hands, and then we have shadow, like a special manifestation. Oh, look at this one. Acts 6, 8. Look at Acts 6, 8. I love this one. And Stephen, full of grace and power... Was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So, what's, Peter, what's Stephen's secret? He's just full of grace and power. It's like he doesn't have like a special manifestation for shadow or cloth. Or like some people have like great anointings for pain. Or there's some people that like have an anointing for like blind eyes or like marriage restoration. Everybody's got a special anointing. God equipped everybody with a special anointing. But I think maybe Stephen's method is better than all the people that have special anointings, because it seems like Stephen's secret was, I'm just so full of God, I spill out on people. (laughs) I'm just full of God, and I can't contain him, so everywhere I go, he gets on you. And miracles and signs and wonders happen because I can't hold all of God because he's bigger than me because he's bigger than the universe. So I just keep being filled with him and everywhere I go, he spills on you. And that releases healings. Not like that one. All of us can be full. Come on. Everybody in this room can be hungry and thirsty for more. All of us can want more of his presence. So I can't wait till next Sunday well, why did you stop drinking when you left the room? We should never stop being filled with the Spirit. We should never stop devouring our daily bread. You should never stop eating. I don't like the sign that says, I, I come with my cup upright to church so you can fill my cup. I don't think you should ever stop being filled. Are you guys with me? So, so Stephen's method is, I'm just so full of... Faith and power and grace that signs and wonders happen. I'm not even an apostle. I've been asked to wait on tables. I'm not a preacher. So, what kind of signs and wonders is Stephen doing? Is the food never run out? I, I don't know. He was asked to wait on tables. So, the big line of people, don't worry, bring them on. I can multiply. I don't know. It doesn't say it. Don't you, as the Bible would say, what's the sign? It didn't tell us. So let's let our imagination run. I'm happy. Acts 8. Go to Acts 8. I'm making progress, man. Acts 8: 8, 5 through 8. I love this. Look at this. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began preaching Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what was being said by Philip. And as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing, so he's performing signs. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed or limped on crutches were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. Okay, so what made the city have joy was demons were being cast out of people, paralyzed and crippled people were being healed. Now, this is interesting because Philip's not an apostle either. Philip was one of the seven asked to wait on tables. Philip would just be like anybody in the, anybody in the rooms of Philip. Anybody in here is a fill-up. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go over here to Samaria. Okay. What do you want me to do? I'll show you when you get there. Okay. Do they need tables waited on? I'll show you when you get there. So he shows up, and the Holy Spirit comes on him, and he casts demons out. He gets paralyzed people up, and he gets limping, crippled people healed. So he only has three specific kind of anointings. Demons, paralysis, limping. I'm thankful for all three of those. Why wasn't there six? Why didn't everybody get healed? Like in Acts 5 when Peter, everybody got healed. Why is there only three kinds of miracles here? I don't understand. I just know I'm glad. Do you get the pattern? There's zero pattern. Why does Philip only have three kinds of miracles he's doing? I don't know. Ask God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 9, it lists one of the manifestations of the, the Holy Spirit is gifts of healings in the plural. You'll notice that every one of these stories in the book of Acts didn't ever have all the kinds of healings that were needed, but there were always specific gifts of healings that were utilized in every one of these stories in the book of Acts. There's only one person... That ever had all the gifts of healings and his name was Jesus and the reason why he had all the gifts of healings because he's the only human that ever had the spirit with no measure you need to hear this Jesus is the only human being that had all the spirit that was available and then he says, if any of you would dare or want to come after me, why don't you try by letting go of yourself, getting on your cross and following me, and maybe you can attain to the height that I'm calling you to, because I think a student needs to become like his teacher. Yay? Yay? Can somebody just say, yay? Yay? Jesus healed everyone because he had the spirit without measure. Jesus healed everyone. No one else could in the whole book of Acts because no one else had all the spirit. Now look at Acts 9. This is an interesting story. Saul, this is Acts 9, like 1 through 19. I'm just going to paraphrase. Saul's heading up the road to Damascus to lock up prisoners that are Christians and maybe put some of them to death, maybe confiscate their property because he's trying to stop the wave of Christianity. Saul is the number one Christian terrorist on planet Earth. Like all Christians are afraid of Saul because all he wants to do is either lock him up or kill him. He hates Christians. So he's on the way and all of a sudden he sees a bright light like that thing. That's why I turned it off. I don't want to get blinded this morning. He's on his way. This bright light turns on and a voice speaks. It knocks him on the ground and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Well, I didn't know. I know. That's why I just blinded you. Now, this goes against everything I think about God because this is the one who blinded him was God's glorious bright light. If you read a little bit later in the book of Acts, Paul gives the testimony that it was the bright light of his glory that blinded me. So we, we see a guy minding his own business named Ananias who gets a vision from God. I need you to go lay hands on the Christian murderer Saul. Don't worry. <laughs> you you get it. Ananias is afraid to death of Saul because Saul has a reputation wherever he goes, Christians are either locked up or killed or tortured and the trance, the vision the Holy Spirit gives Ananias is I want you to go lay hands on him and then the Holy Spirit gives a vision to Paul, Saul I just talked to a guy named Ananias I think I got him talked into laying hands on you and when he does you're going to get my spirit in its fullness you'll never be the same and I'll open your eyes so then he gives Ananias another vision this is interesting, I'm, I'm trying to trace how the Holy Spirit does healings he, he first causes a need for a healing. <laughs> bah! Blind! Uh-oh! Well, I guess if God does it, then God can heal it. Then he gives a vision to a guy that's afraid to death of Saul. Then he gives a vision to Saul saying, I've already got a guy I talked into helping you. And then he gives another vision to Ananias. Okay, he's ready. Go do it. So how did Saul get his healing? How did he get filled with the Spirit? God gave two visions to a guy who was afraid to death of him and it was enough to get him to go put his hands on him. And so he laid hands on him at the beckoning of visions, which we need visions. Somebody needs to hear from God so you know God told you to do it. Come on. Somebody needs to know that God says, I got to do this, Right. So Ananias touches him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He can see his eyes. And he becomes the greatest apostle of all time. Right? From somebody putting their hands on him that was afraid. (laughs) This is a great book. This is a great book. You guys like Acts? It's like, it's a good book, man. So... He's filled with the spirit. He gets his sight back. Ananias was his disciple that obeyed God to lay his hands on Saul. Ananias, Saul, Ananias all had visions. God worked through the visions. Let me tell you a couple visions I had. Back Back in 1995 when I had my car wreck, when I had my encounter with Jesus when I almost died, I had a um I had a I had a um I had a disability policy that was going to pay me $8,000 a month if I ever couldn't work. You say, "Well, that's a big one." Yeah, it was. It was nice. And in my policy, there was a thing called the right of redemption period, which means you can't get any money for 6 months because I think they did it so that I would either A, be dead after six months or back to work so they never have to pay you. You just keep making payments. That's why they're insurance companies, right? They make money. So it's been six months. I don't have my check. My wife and I are struggling because I can't work. And I'm praying one morning and I have a vision. The Lord opens up. And I see Jesus, and he says, go over to your big builder's office and share me with him so that he'll know how much you love me. I was a carpenter. I had guys framing for me. I had carpenter crews. And the Holy Spirit gives me this vision, says, go over to Dave Martin's office and share your faith with him. So I did. I walked in there, drove, walked in there, and sat down. I said, hey, Dave, how you doing? He goes, good. What's up? Well, I'm here to talk about Jesus. And he goes, what do you mean? Well, I was praying this morning and he told me if I come over and share my faith with you, I would please him. So I just want you to know that, that he's really saved me. He's really filled me with his presence. He's given me hope, even though I can't work like I used to. And even though I'm kind of struggling physically, I have such joy. And Dave didn't know what to say. He's like, you know, all he could say was, well, your daddy really raised you good. He didn't know what to say. And so after a while, I said, Dad, let me me say a prayer. I said a little short prayer. I said, bless him, Lord. Help him to know you. Amen. See you, Dave. I left. I said, Jesus, what was that all about? He didn't accept you. No, but my seed never goes bad. That's what he told me. He says, that's good seed. I got good seed. There's no shelf life. You put some seed in there, you watch what I can do. Okay, I trust you. That's what he said. So, so I, um, so I got my, I got in my truck I said, so why would you have me go over there? I was praying about how do I get my disability check. It's been six and a half months. He goes, well, slow down. I said, I am slow. I'm sitting here in Dave's parking lot. What am I supposed to do? And he said, well, drive by your old house where you used to live. I said, why? Just do it. Why? He didn't answer me. I guess once is enough for him. So I drove over to the old house on Renner, and it was at the foot of a water tower in an industrial park, and we had moved out. Somehow, when I couldn't work, God got us a new house. I still don't understand that one. So I'm over at the old house. The grass is four foot tall. Nobody lives there, and the Holy Spirit says, walk up on the front porch. I said, why? He didn't answer me. So I get out of my truck. I walked up, and there's an overnight FedEx package there from New York Life. On the front step of a house that nobody's lived in for six months, and I opened it up. It's my check, and I said to God, "I said, well, why didn't you just tell me it was here? Why did I have to go to Dave's office? And why did I have to come?" He He didn't answer me. You get the pattern. What if we just obeyed the Spirit's promptings? What if we just did what he said? Do you think the results would be more like his or like ours if we just would do what he says? I'll never forget that year. That, that year at Christmas time. We were sitting around and the Holy Spirit says to me, I don't want you to buy any gifts for your kids this year. I said, That's not gonna work. We always buy gifts. My wife buys 50 gifts. We don't, that's back when we had money. We don't when I was a builder, it was different than a preacher. Now we have budgets. Ugh. It hurts to say it, budgets. Gee, this makes me have hives. Anyway, so the Lord says to me, "You can't buy gifts for your kids this year." What do you mean? And that night, He gives me another dream, and I wake up, and He goes, "I want you to adopt ten families because I've taken care of you. You didn't die in that car wreck. I filled you with my Spirit. I've got. I've helped you lead all your guys to the Lord. All your workers now are Christians, and." I'm doing a miracle in your family. So just trust me and adopt 10 families. So I told my wife, she goes, okay, then let's do it. So I told the kids, they weren't happy. It's like, are you sure, dad? <laughs> Positives. So we buy all these gifts. Debbie takes them to all these families. Everybody's happy except my kids are depressed. It's Christmas Eve. I'm depressed. There's no presents under the tree. And all of a sudden the phone rings. And it's Olathe Medical Center. And they say, is this Mr. Bohai? Yeah. Is this your date of birth? Yeah. Is this your Social Security? Yeah. How do you know? Well, I'm Olathe Medical Center. Okay. So why are you calling me on Christmas Eve? Well, you had an accident back in June, right? Where you got hit. Yeah. This is a bad one. Yeah. We, we see that. Well, your insurance overpaid and we owe you money. And it's, what we spent on the 10 family was $4,000 to adopt 10 families. And what the hospital had for me that it owed me for six months, but I didn't find out until Christmas Eve was the hospital owed me (laughs) $4,100. Yay. So this lady on the phone says, would you like us to mail that? Or will you wanna come? Oh, we'll be right there. And I called my wife and she gets in the car with me and we run up to the hospital, get the check and we have $100 extra than we spent and the kids come down on Christmas and there's presents everywhere and it's yay. <laughs> now, I never would have had this story if I hadn't had a vision and acted on it. You get it? Let's keep going. We got to hurry up. I, I got to hurry up. This is taking too long (laughs) look at Acts 9.32 Acts 9.32 now as Peter was traveling through all those regions he also came down to the saints who lived at Lydda he found a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years that's a long time to be in bed because he was paralyzed and Peter said to him Aeneasus. Aeneas. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Make your own bed. Immediately he got up and all the who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. <laughs> That's a good word. But I don't know how he did this. Oh, he used the name Aeneas. Jesus Christ heals you. He just used the name. Well, a little later on He sees this lady named Tabitha or Dorcas, depends on the translation, and she dies. And so it says Peter knelt down next to her and he talked to God and then he raised her up. I don't know how that one worked. It didn't say he laid his hands, didn't say he used the name, didn't say he prayed. said he prayed to God and then he turned and raised her up. So I guess raising up's a way. I don't know. Do you put your hand underneath him and raise him up or do you just say up? I don't know. I wish it was more specific. I just, I don't want to put him in a box today. I want everybody to get your healing. Everybody, come on. I want everybody to be healed today. Because we don't limit the Holy Spirit. We just let him be God. would that be amazing? What if he healed our memories? Hmm. Acts 14. Turn to Acts 14. That's hump day, man. It's halfway. We're halfway. And I'm not going to use all the chapters where Paul's in prison getting... So you're, almost, you're over halfway. Come on. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. Acts 14, 1 to 10. Let's just read here. In Enconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a way that a large number of people believed, both Jews and Greeks. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brothers. Therefore, they spent a long time speaking boldly, with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be performed by their hands. Now, this is different. This says that Paul is preaching a long time. And the more he preaches, the more signs and wonders happen. He just taught, I don't know how long's a long time. Is it like a three-hour sermon or is it an eight-hour sermon or is it months? When you figure that out, would you tell me? Because I don't know how long I'm supposed to preach this morning. <laughs> because if Paul could preach a long times and miracles start happening, I want to cash in on his precedent. <laughs> hmm. It's not signs one wonder were being performed by their, by their hands. Isn't that interesting? Not their head, not their feet. They weren't like chest bumping. Their, it's their hands. I don't get it. I just want miracles. Amen? I don't get it. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep looking at this. Okay. Then they became... Okay. They were divided, the Jews, while other with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to treat them abusively and to stone them, that must be your cue to leave. They want to beat them and stone them. Okay. They became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And the surrounding region... And there they continued to preach the gospel. So they just left the place where they were going to get beat and went somewhere else to preach, right? Okay, Lystra, a man sitting whose feet were incapacitated, he'd been disabled from his mother's womb. He'd never walked. So this is a guy that's been sick a while. He was born crippled. Come on, he's born crippled. And he's listening to Paul preach a long time. That's all I know. He's preaching a long time until he gets threatened and he goes somewhere else. He must do the same thing everywhere he goes. He's preaching. And there's a guy here born crippled from his mother's womb. And this man was listening to Paul. And as he spoke, Paul looked at him and saw that he had faith to be made well. And then he said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And the guy gets up and he's healed whoa whoa that's a different way that's not in the name of Jesus that's not shadow that's not hands that's like stand up that's another way yay so I wonder what he was preaching I wonder if he was preaching this sermon well you know God used to heal everybody. But this is 2021. And we have a lot of good doctors now, so it's kind of let God off the hook. And we got all kinds of pills. And we got masks. So we really don't need him as much as we used to. So, guys, just good luck making it to the end. I wonder if that's the message he was preaching. Because it doesn't say that he tried to talk him into having faith. It says he's hearing a message that Paul's preaching and it's given him faith to be healed. So he must have been preaching a message something like this. You know, Jesus left nothing unturned. Every problem you'll ever face, he's already conquered it. Every spiritual condition you'll ever have, he's paid the price for you to be totally free from all sin and all of its effects. Every emotional, depressed, demonic, oppressive interference you'll ever experience, he's already paid the price for you to walk in total freedom. Every sickness, disease under the curse of the law, everything that sin brought into the planet, he took a sufficient beating so that by his stripes you were healed. I'm going to tell you people here of Lister and Enconium and Derby and surrounding areas that my Jesus that I'm preaching about, he left no stone unturned. And if you need him today, he's right here, right now, right on time, and no matter what your need is, his grace is more powerful than anything you'll ever need. And I think if you heard a message like that for a Long time, like I think long times key because sometimes we hear it and then we forget. But what if the preacher just kept reminding you? No, you don't understand, he heals. I was blind, now I see. I was lame, now I walk. I was lost, now I'm found. I was dead, now I'm alive. You don't understand. I used to kill Christians, now I want to die for them. You don't understand. Jesus is no, he can do anything. And a guy hears him just preaching the gospel, and he has faith, and all Paul has is he doesn't have to get the oil out. He doesn't have to line up the elders. He said, well, he's got faith. Get up. I was in Dallas, Texas, preaching at Richardson Church of the Nazarene. And the Spirit was moving. I turned around. I saw a guy on a cane. I looked at him and I saw that he had faith to be healed. I just looked at him. I shook my head at him. And the moment I did, he threw his cane down and he walked up and said, Can I testify? I didn't say, get up. I didn't say, throw your cane down. I looked at him. I saw he had faith. It wasn't my preaching. They were still singing. It's a different pattern. I'm not preaching a long time. I'm just discerning what God's trying to do in a room. I look at this guy, and I see he has faith. And the more I look at him, I shook my head. He throws his cane down. He walks up next to me. The DS is on the front row next to me, Rob McDonald at the time. This guy says, hey, can I testify? I said, what did you just throw your cane down for? Well, that's what I want to testify to. You got to be careful, man. You give the mic. You may not get it back. So you got to be careful. I discern the spirits. His spirit says, let him testify. So I give him the mic. He goes, I worked for AT&T for 40 years. 18 years ago, I was at the top of a 40-foot pole, and my harness broke, and I fell and it shattered my back. It's been in constant pain for 18 years. When you were looking at me, something happened. All the pain's gone. And he's bending over, touching his toes. And all I did was look at him. You say, well, was it your look? I don't think I had anything to do with it. I think the God who lives inside of me likes to do things to surprise people. About about five weeks ago, I did a tour where I went down to Ashland, Kentucky, and Ironton, Ohio, and then Louisville, Kentucky. And on the way back, I stopped in Louisville, Kentucky, and we did a night where we had 15 churches showed up. It was a five-hour service, and so many miracles happened. But I remember looking out this one guy in the crowd that I'd been to that church three or four times, and he's always been a victim. He had a bad car wreck. He almost died. He can't walk without his wheelchair on bad days and his walker on good days. I'm looking at him, and the Holy Spirit shows me he's got faith, he's not a victim, he's actually believing tonight. So I preached my message. I tried to ignore it, you know just I see things, so I'm looking or I see him. He's got faith, He's not a victim. This is good. So I preached my message, and then I looked over at him and I said, "You don't need your walker tonight." And he hadn't walked without it for four years because he can't. You don't need it. Walk up here to me." He goes, "Are you sure?" Yeah, come up here. So he walks up to me. And he hasn't walked with a walker for five weeks. And all I said was walk up to me. But I saw he had faith. You get, I saw he had faith. He wasn't a victim. He wasn't needing someone to help him. He came expecting a miracle. Do you guys get this? I, I knew the next day on Facebook. He posted on my page that he walked all around this big lake, Sherman Lake there, just outside of Shelbyville, suburb of Louisville, and he walked all the way around this lake fishing with his kids. And he, has, and he hung his walker up in his living room as a testimony to what God did. Yeah. Do you get it? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, looking at this, I'm looking at this other lady because he can't walk. Now there's a lady in a wheelchair. I said, why are you in the wheelchair? Oh, I have nerve damage. Well, you're going to get healed. How do you know? Because I can see it. Walk up here to me. She goes, I can't. Yes, you can. Walk up here to me. She gets out of her wheelchair and walks up to me. She goes, I said, well, how'd you do that if you can't? She goes, I don't know. Are you standing here or is this my imagination? I'm standing here. You know what your problem is? Not your body. Your problem is your depression. The moment I said it, she collapsed. God healed her depression. just to make sure she wasn't going crazy. She actually walked up to me three different times while I was trying to pray for other people because I don't think she realized she actually was healed. Wasn't her faith. I could see it. Come on, you guys. There's no pattern. I, I remember there was a lady next to her had a big boot on one of her feet. I said, what's, what's the boot for? Oh, I have real bad diabetes. I have a sore. It won't heal. They're going to cut my foot off. Something inside of me said, no, they're not. Where'd that come from? And I said, they're not going to cut your foot off. She goes, how do you know? It's been this way for four months. It won't heal. Can you put weight up? No, it kills me. It's like a knife stick. Well, jump on it. No, jump on it. She jumped up and she jumped on it. She goes, it doesn't hurt. I know. Walk up here. She took it off. She started jumping on it. It was healed. Look at the thing closed up right during the service. It was healed. I was so tired that night. I I I was so tired. I still had three hours to drive to my hotel because I was trying to get home because I'm not used to being on the road anymore. I'm I'm getting soft. (laughs) I used to live in hotels, now I like home. I like home. And so I just remember this guy walks up to me and he looks like he's dead. And I don't have any faith left. I have no adrenaline left. I've just prayed for everybody. I'm exhausted. I said, what's wrong with you? And he lists up like 16 things, and he's had 12 surgeries. They do electric stimulation. They do morphine pump. They do shock his brain. He's in constant pain. And he's asking me for prayer, and I'm like trying to crawl to my car. I have nothing. I said, okay, man, just let me put my hand on your head. That's in the Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's what I said. Yay, power, power. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the guy looks at me, I said, What's wrong? He goes, I feel drunk. He, what? I don't know if I can walk. What do you mean? I feel like I'm on I have a buzz. Okay. Can you guys help him? So they help him get back to his seat. He puts this long Facebook post on my page. He says before he left that service, all the pain left his body. He'd have surgeries on his shoulders, his neck, his hips, his knees, his ankles. All of his joints were deteriorating. And he said all the pain left his body. And he's had no pain since that service. Now, I didn't have any, I didn't have any faith. I did not have any I had exhaustion. Thank you. Yay. Okay. I got to hurry i got to hurry. This is ridiculous. I'm getting sidetracked. Acts 15. Acts 15, 4. Acts 15, 4. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were all received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they were reporting all that God had done with them. They were reporting all that God had done with them. Acts 15, 12. All the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. So in Acts 15.4 and Acts 15.12, they're all talking about all the things that God's doing, but they're not telling us what they are. You get it? They're like... All the wonders, all the signs, all the miracles, all the healings, but they're not telling us what they are. Don't you wish we knew? I want to know. Does anybody else want to know? What were they? What did you guys actually see? So from Paul's Damascus Road experience in Acts 9 over the next six years until we get to the first general assembly of Acts 15, all we have is Paul talking about all the signs and wonders that God did among us when we preached to the Gentiles But the only story we have is the one in Acts 14. Out of all the things that God was doing through Paul, the only story we have is the one he preached a long time. We don't even know anything else he did except he's saying God did a lot of stuff. But what God decided to put in the Bible was if you can do anything, maybe this is the most important thing. Believe what you preach and keep preaching it. Like believe the gospel. Believe in the power of the blood. Come on. Believe in the power of Jesus' sacrifice. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. A long time. Yay. <laughs> I'm almost done. This is, I'm almost done. I don't want to preach a long time. We don't have a record of anything that they did. All the way from Acts 9 to Acts 15, the only one the Holy Spirit pointed out was when a man decided to preach a long time. <laughs> and it gave a guy faith to be healed. Amen. There's power in the word. It's the word that heals, right? Psalms 107.20, he sends his word. And it heals us. In Isaiah 55, it never returns void. Hmm. Acts 16. Acts 16:18. 18. Now she continued doing this for many days, but Paul was so annoyed that he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very moment. And so then her master sees that she has no more demonic power So they have Paul and Silas rotted with sticks and thrown in the inner prison. And in verse 25 it says this. It says um, now about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. So this is a new way the Holy Spirit unleashed a miracle. um, Cast a demon out of a Of a witch doctor's girl. So they can beat you and throw you in prison. So you can wait till the darkest hour when you're in the most pain and you're the most discomfort. And you can decide to pray and worship at midnight. So if you wait till the darkest hour. To start your praise and worship. Then really you're starting at the beginning of the day. Because from God's perspective it's always evening and morning the first day evening and morning the second day evening and morning it's the only phrase that's consistent in all six days God thinks the days start when we think the day's over and if we could learn to start praising him when we can't see the answer when we can't feel the answer when we don't know where he's at if we could actually learn to start praising him when it seems the most hopeless by the time the sun comes up we'll already be walking in our miracle I like God's rescue plan God says from heaven wait a minute are those guys worshiping they just got beat within an inch of their life they're, wor- they're not asking me to get them out oh, I think I got a good one for them I'm going to send an isolated earthquake right there to that prison and it's not going to tear the prison down because I'm going to use this as like a real evangelistic center." I'm just going to send it where it actually shakes all the chains off. That way I'll get all the credit. So here it goes. (laughs) Everybody's free. Because two people decided to worship instead of wine. That's a new method of miracles instead of complaining of what you need start praising God for what he is and who he is and then all of a sudden you never know you may get the freedom you've been longing for your whole life and it was just one praise set away Paul never said Jesus why don't you just protect me I never heard Paul pray a prayer of safety when we pray with our family you know we pray Lord keep them safe You know what Paul prayed? Give me more boldness. Because I know when I show up, they're either going to lock me up or try to. And they're probably going to stone me or beat me or whip me. So give me more boldness. Because I want to go down with them remembering you. How would you like to be a demon assigned to Paul? No, I'm not going to go back and taunt him anymore, Satan. It doesn't work. Every time we get somebody to beat him, he writes a new book of the New Testament. (laughs) Our tactics aren't working. He actually believes. Acts 19. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Acts 19 is a picture of real revival. Let me run through it real quick. Acts 19, verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In a real revival, people actually get saved. How many are hungry to see thousands of people come to faith? Come on. In a real revival, in a real revival, people actually get saved. They get baptized, they get born again. And, and then it says. And then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Number two, in a real revival, there's powerful impartations of the Holy Spirit. You guys believe that? Like if a real revival's moving, the Holy Spirit's going to touch people profoundly. I remember the first time I met Rob McCorkle in person. I had just finished a meeting in Pennsylvania. He wanted me to drive by and share with a bunch of his friends in Columbus on my way back home so I said drive by and he goes yeah so I drove by had my shorts on my sandals my t-shirt hair didn't look good I walk in and I see him you know and he's about 5 foot 4 with shoes on and I look at him he's got a beard and I think hobbits are real that's what I'm thinking hobbits are real he's like these little fireballs. he's 5 foot 3 and he looks at me and he goes Shrek this guy's Shrek I can't believe this Oh, what have I done? All my friends are here, and he feels sick. And all I say is, do you have a restroom? Because I need to go to the restroom before I preach. So I did, and I walk in there, and there's a room, probably 40 people. Rob had people come from all over the state to hear me in a drive-by. So I got up, and I shared for 20 minutes on something. I don't know. And then I said, can I pray? And Rob said, yeah. Yeah. So I just prayed over them for an impartation that they'd never get over. And then I, I opened my eyes and they were all on the ground. All 40 of them were laying on the ground. I walked out and got in my car and drove home. <laughs> I didn't stay. They're on the ground. Rob said he got up a couple hours later and he got an impartation. That he never can not have enough of the word. God marked him for the word right there. Well, that's a real Revival. In a real revival, real impartations happen. I remember when my friend Corey Jones was struggling with fear, terrible fear, terrible fear. And he says, would you lay hands on me? And I laid hands on him. The Lord came on him so powerful. And he told me he's never struggled with fear since then. That's, a, that's an impartation, you guys. I'm, I remember when I was with Randy Clark in Mechanicsville, and he prayed. He said, would you pray an impartation over me for creative miracles? I said, yeah. I think that's a part of real revival. We need the Holy Spirit to come on us. Are you guys with me? Yeah. And, and then look at what it says in verse eight it says, And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, having discussion pers- about the kingdom. Number three, there's great teaching in real revivals, teaching about the kingdom. Come on, you guys, the kingdom. And and then then it says in verse uh, 8, but when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took the disciples away with him and they had discussions. In a real revival, you don't try to force your opinion on people who aren't ready to hear it. If, if opposition comes, you, you don't try to force the gospel down someone. You, go someone. you go somewhere where they're open to hear. And so he goes to this philosophy house called the School of Tyrannus. And it says he preached there for two years, never missed a day. That's amazing to me. So part of a real revival is somebody's got to have perseverance to never stop until the revival starts. Are you with me? So what Paul was is a tent maker, and so he would get up in the morning and make tents or leather or belts or whatever till noon, shower, and go to the house and teach from noon to sundown. So he just did it every day. He worked half a day building leather stuff and then half a day preaching about the kingdom for two years every day. So if you ask Paul, what do you do for Christmas break? Well, I think I'm going to get up and build some tents, then I'm going to shower up, Then I'm going to go to this little philosophy house because I have 12 disciples that are willing to die with me. I know the town's a quarter of a million, but I got 12. It's a good number. So I'm just going to teach them about the kingdom. So every day he just stands up after working with leather for six hours and spends six hours just talking about the kingdom to the same six guys, the same 12 guys. It's it's just like, I know you've heard this, but I'm going to do it a long time. Kingdom. 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 Kingdom kingdom what are you going to do for fall break i think i'm going to get up and build some leather belts then i'm going to shower and then i'm going to go to this little room teach my 12 guys about the kingdom well how long are you going to do it i don't know i'm on assignment god told me to come here he wouldn't have sent me here if he didn't want the city saved so somebody's got to persevere into god's heart if you don't persevere how are you ever going to see what god can do Two years? There's not one mention of one person getting saved. There's not one mention of one miracle happening. There's not one mention of a love offering. So what's their mention? Oh, every day he did this. I'll do tents until noon, and then I'll spend the last half the day just teaching about the kingdom. But, but what are you doing it for? I'm doing it for him. Because his eyes are fiery. And when he looks at me, my heart's gone. And I'm lost in him. And I can't wait to see him. But until then, I'm going to persevere until his will gets done down here, like it is up there. So every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. That's a real revival, you guys. Somebody has to persevere for two years. And it says at the end of verse 10 and all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So in a real revival, the word of God is going to spread, but there'll be no question where the word's coming from. Now, how did all of Asia hear the word of the Lord from a guy standing in a room? There's no Facebook, there's no Snapchat, there's no Instagram, there's no internet. There's just one guy. A whole continent hears the gospel. Whoa! Come on! And then look at verse 11. And then all of a sudden, God's performing extraordinary miracles. What makes them extraordinary? Probably because they're extraordinary. By the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from the body to the sick. So, point number six is in a real revival, if you'll persevere into God's bullseye, supernatural, extraordinary things will start happening. This was a new method. This was a new method, guys. This is a new, new method of healing. Man, I'm preaching hard today, so I got a little sweat. Oh, that's hard. All of a sudden, some one of the mamas runs up, get those claws. His DNA is on there. Now, let's go over to Aunt Ethel. You know, the demonized one that's crazy. We can't put our hand in there. She'll bite our fingers. But let's go over there. So they walk over to Aunt Ethel's room and we knock on the door to see where she's at she's over there gnarling in the corner like a rabid dog so we say Ann Ethel we're here to see you (laughs) come here a minute and if that cloth hit her the demons would leave and then she'd be healed that's a new method are you serious find the craziest person and throw your clothes on them Oh, make sure you have some sweat. (laughs) Do You guys get the pattern? There's no pattern. I mean, can you imagine? She's free. Look at her. She's in her right mind. Come out. Let's have dinner, Ethel. I mean, she's healed. The language is this, that they were thrown out so violently they could never come back. There was such an anointing on his clothing that they were thrown out with such pain that they would never dare come back. It's called freedom. Amen. Okay, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. So we have extraordinary miracles. Diseases are leaving. Look at verse 15. But the evil spirits responded and said, I recognize Jesus. I know about Paul, but who are you? In a real revival, there's going to be increased demonic activity. Do you guys realize when the Holy Spirit really starts coming, the demons are going to really flare up more than ever before? That's why we have to walk in our authority. That's why we have to walk in who we are. That's why we have to believe in the power of the blood. Come on, you guys. That's why we have to keep our hearts clean and pure before God. We cannot have any doors open. verse 17 this became known to all who lived in Ephesus both the Jews and the Greeks and fear fell upon them and all the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified point number nine in a real revival all we're going to remember is Jesus it's not going to be the speakers it's not going to be the special pulpit people it's going to be the magnifying of the name of the Lord Amen. amen Come on, you guys. And then look here. Look here. This is amazing. Um, And many of those who practice magic arts and also those who had been believed kept coming and confessing their sins publicly. Public confession. Public confession of sin. In a real revival. People will not want to have any sin in their life. You guys with me? I, I remember when Sam Vassel asked me to come to his church for the first time he, he's, a, he's a Jamaican man that has a really pretty powerful anointing on him that's the district superintendent in New York City now for the Nazarene Church but before that he was just a pastor that came to my church in Olathe and did a revival and the Holy Spirit told me to take him in my red truck to a lake and pray for him the Holy Spirit told me to do that I said well what should I pray? He goes don't worry I'll tell you so just do that. So how am I going to get him to come in my truck with me? Oh, give him a check. Okay, how much? $2,500. No, I can't give him $2,500. Give him $2,500. He'll come in your truck, and you can pray for him. Are you sure, God? It's not twenty five dollars Yes, $2,500. Okay, I get it. I got it. Hey, Dr. Vassal, I have a check here for you. Whoa, what's that for? I don't know. I asked the same question, but... The Lord told me to give it to you. Well, thank you. It's much appreciated. What's your name? Oh, I'm Dan Bohai. I've been listening to you preach. Yeah, I've been seeing you out there. I'm supposed to take you in my red truck to pray for you. Oh, I'll, I'd love to come with you. He would not have said that without the chat. <laughs> so I take him to Cedar Lake. And I just pull in and say, Dr. Vass, I'm going to pray for you now. I really don't know what I'm supposed to pray, so let's just see what God wants. So I put my hand on his chest. And all of a sudden I get caught up in the spirit. It was weird. I could see my light leaving me because Jesus is in He's light. I could see him leaving, going into the bright light of God's glory. And I saw myself disappear and I lost time. I'm just in the spirit. It's weird. And then I see my light come out and come back into me. And I said, Lord, heal his heart. Amen. He goes, that was strange." I said, tell me about it. How long was I out? He goes, I don't know. Okay. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Me too. So I take him back to the church. Weird. See my light. Disappear. Come back. Heal his heart. See ya. I'm glad you have my check. Amen. (laughs) The next week I'm in Alabama preaching. And that guy calls me. Brother Don, you have a minute? Yeah, who is this? This is Dr. Vassel. Yeah, what's going on? He goes, well, I went to my heart doctor today for my checkup because I'm on a transplant list. I said, you are oh yeah, I have myopathy. My heart only functions at 13%. I'm on a transplant list. But I went to the doctor today and he's checking all my heart functions and my heart's now at 68% and they don't know what happened. And he says, when can you come to my church? Because all my people need this same thing. So I went to his church. And I'll I'll never forget, Friday night is good service. Saturday morning, I get up. They're expecting me to preach all day on Saturday and Sunday. So I get up on Saturday morning. The Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to preach one word. I want you to set a microphone up. I want them to confess their sins. They didn't fly me here to confess their sins, God. Are you sure you're not confused? Yes, I'm not confused. I want you to give them a chance to confess their sins publicly. Okay, how long? Till they're done. Okay, thank you. So I show up, Dr. Vassal. How are you doing? Man, it was a great service last night. Well, it was, wasn't it? What are you going to preach on this morning? I don't know. I did singing. I get up. I can't preach. I can see Dr. Vassal squirming. What do you mean? We're just going to confess sins to each other. We're going to, we're going to confess our sins to each other. So we can pray for each other and get healed. We're going to practice James 5.16. So here's the mic. I'm going to sit on the front row. Love you guys. I don't know any of them. I'm on the front row. Lady gets up. I had an abortion. Man gets up. I had an affair. From 9 in the morning till 9 at night, the line never stopped. 12 hours. There was always five or six people waiting in line. I wept for 12 hours. Sunday morning I got up. The service started at 8.30. We didn't get done until 5.30 at night. There were 400 healings. The whole altar was filled with medicine. I don't know. Was it the check? Was it the light? Was it the prayer for a heart? Was it the healing of a heart? Was it the the 12 hours of confession? What? What if the most important thing you'll ever do is just being obedient right now with what he's asking you to do? What if that's the most important thing you could ever do? whether it's write a check or drive to a lake or lay hands on someone or go to a church or be confessing, what if what if Holy Spirit still wanted to show off how good God was and he's just waiting on somebody just to do what he says amen so that's a real revival How about about Acts 20? I'm almost done. I only have two verses left. Acts 20. Because we're skipping all the lockup verses. Acts 20. Verse 10. How about this one? This is another one of those examples of Paul preaching a long time, so long that this poor guy named Eutychus fell out of the window and died. That would put a damper on your service. But it says, but Paul went down and fell on him. And after embracing him, he said, don't be troubled. He's still alive. And then Paul went right back um, after he broke some bread. And then he talked with them a long while until the sun came up. And then he left. So that was an all-night sermon. The method of healing here was a method that I would not advise any of you to try to endeavor with me. Because if any of you fell sick and I came and fell on you, it's a guarantee that you're probably going to die. If I actually fell on you. Now it says Paul fell on him. So Paul wasn't my size. So this method of healing. Was jump on someone. There's no pattern. And then 28.8. Let's go to the last chapter. So I can wrap this up. 28.8. And it happened. That the father of Publius. That's an interesting name isn't it? Publius. I think it's the relatives of the Publix grocery stores in Florida. I think it is. <laughs> I may be wrong. I, it's probably not had nothing to do. And it happened that the father of Publius, Publix was lying in bed afflicted with recurring fever and diarrhea. Paul went in to see him and after he prayed he laid his hands on him and healed him. Now, now let, let, get it? After he prayed laid his hands on him and healed him. And then twenty-eight, nine, and after this happened, the rest of the people on the island who were diseased were coming to him and being cured. <laughs> the whole island got healed. How'd that happen? Oh, shipwreck. Well, we had a bad year, God. We had to navigate hand sanitizer and mask and You know, a lot of fear, a lot of social media, a lot of social injustice and unrest, a lot of, we're on the verge of a, I know, but did you get your whole city healed? Well, now, wait a minute. Well, usually when there's a catastrophe, it's because I'm trying to set you up for a whole island to be healed. They never would have even found that island if the ship wouldn't have broke apart. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. So we're going to pray for healings. I'd like to have somebody that has a musical gift to play the piano or something. I don't know, is there anybody in this church that has a musical aptitude? I need help backing me up because I'm not Jesus. Jesus didn't have this thing. He's like, he could do it without it. But I need help. You say, well, Brother Dan, why did you teach us this? believe I think he's better than we can imagine and I just wanted you to see that he's not limited in how he can touch us sometimes it's just a handshake sometimes it's a word sometimes it's a a glance with the eyes sometimes it's a hug Sometimes it's you put your hand. Sometimes it's a piece of clothing. Sometimes it's a shadow. Sometimes it's a it's a jailbreak where you decide to worship instead of complain. Sometimes it's a shipwreck that lets a whole island get healed. And the only common denominator is somebody's following Holy Spirit. Somebody's just doing what He says. he's in this room and what if what if this church would become a real revival I mean a real revival where lost people get saved and the Holy Spirit comes on people and people are persevering they don't complain they don't quit they don't shrink back miracles start happening and Everybody can't wait to confess their sins and demons are cast out. And no matter how demonic the increase of wickedness comes, God's glory keeps increasing. And, and at the end of the day, the whole world knows about Jesus because the city got revived. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. There's somebody here that strained your back this week. It's a new strain. It's real tight right now. You strained it either at work or you slept wrong. You strained your back, and it's real tight right now. It's like it's bothering you. If you'll stand up. Who is that? Okay. Uh, Come up here just for a minute. Let me touch your back. Lord, I thank you for my brother. You'd heal this back, this pain that's strained this week. Set him free from all pain. All pain. All inflammation leave. In Jesus' name, be healed. You'll be able to breathe easier. There's been pain shooting down your leg. You'll be able to breathe easier. Lord, heal him now. should feel better amen love you buddy there's people here that have migraines and it starts behind your eyes and it makes you real nauseous and God wants to take those away wants to take your migraines away who's here that has migraine problems starts behind your eyes and it's just debilitating it takes a long time for it to go away come up here just come real fast when I call you out I want you to come real fast migraines.